Hi, and welcome to episode number 32 of the Crypto Chick Podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain and crypto trends. I'm your host, the Crypto Chick, Rachel Wolfson. Today, I'm interviewing Leanne Kemp, founder and CEO of Everledger and Queensland chief entrepreneur. In this interview, Leanne discusses how blockchain is applied to ensure authenticity of diamonds and other luxury goods. Leanne also discusses how the Australian government is looking at policy enablement for blockchain. Let's get right to my interview with Leanne. Enjoy. Okay, so today I'm here with the CEO and founder of Everledger. Hi, welcome. Hi, everyone. My name's Leanne Kemp. I'm super excited to be here with Rachel. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. So Leanne, first of all, tell us what Everledger is. Everledger is, uh, we built a platform of provenance to enable the traceability of some of the most precious yet opaque um, supply chains in the world. And we began in diamonds in 2015. We track from the source of the mine right the way through to the retail network. So if a customer or consumer walks into a store and asks the question, where does it come from? Then there's now a systems approach to being able to answer that, that correctly with truth. Um, we transcended beyond diamonds in 2015, 2016 into coloured gemstones and work also in the luxury goods sector, uh, encompassing other objects of value in wine and art and jewellery um, and fashion and luxury goods. And so how, is, how does Everledger work? Is it an app that consumers can use to scan items to see where they came from? So we are quite fortunate. Diamonds themselves are unique by their very nature and they can be digitally uh, incarnated, uh, as one could say. So there were existing scanning technologies that were already in in effect across the entirety of the diamond supply chain. Um, We connected to those machines and those technologies to be able to take a fingerprint uh, or the DNA of of the diamond, one would say like a forensic view, and map that across each of the participants as diamonds are firstly extracted out of the mining companies. They go into the diamond manufacturers where they're cut and polished and then into the trading houses across the world and then eventuate deliberately into the retail network where consumers are presented. Um, the technology is a platform, so we connect via APIs and directly into the IoT devices or the machines. And the consumers have an application that uh, will show not only just the story of where the diamonds come from, but also the grading report and the certification, the scientific understanding of that diamond. Is that a mobile app called Everledger or what is? uh, So no, the application is actually white labelled up uh, based on the retailer and the retailer of choice provides that as a part of their brand proposition and their story. Okay. So what retailers are offering that? Um, so we have diamonds connected here in the US and is with Fred Meyer. They have around 100-odd retail outlets in full flight with consumers and diamonds moving on an hourly basis. Um, also Brilliant Earth, which is an online diamond retailer, um, that caters for the millennial market, so those that have a true consciousness around sustainability. Um, and so they're sort of two examples of bricks and mortar stores or online diamond retailers. Okay. And Everledger runs on Hyperledger Fabric, is that correct? Yeah, we've been on Hyperledger Fabric since very late 2015, early 2016, pretty much before it was even called Hyperledger. So, uh, yeah, we've been probably one of the first adopters. Okay, and can you explain blockchain's role in all of this? I mean, it's for supply chain management, correct? If you're tracing the good back to its origin 
through the supply chain? Yeah, look, data has been stored within the diamond industry for the better part of, you know, tens if not 15 decades, uh, whether they be in paper-based records or in databases themselves. But each of those sort of data record sets uh, have a domino-like relationship with each other uh, and it's the matching of those records as diamonds and coloured gemstones and other important commodities trace themselves through the supply chain where blockchain plays a fundamental role in being able to um, synthesise that sort of single versioning of the truth. So blockchain alone as a technology only plays one very small part to solving for traceability and providing for provenance as a whole, but it's an important part. It's a protocol that enables a business network where not only one person is in control, but all people maintain control through that sort of consensus enablement piece around data and and the versioning of truth. I see. So just thinking about diamonds and where they come from, do those individuals that are mining the diamonds, for instance, did they have, how do you know where those mines are exactly? I mean, are they using the technology as well to communicate? So the diamond industry is probably very different. It's an inverse of each other of the coloured gemstone industry. The diamond industry is predominantly driven by 10 major mining companies in the world, very large organisations, if not predominant governments like Russia. Uh, They have sophisticated infrastructure and technologies already on the ground, both in the exploration and the extraction of diamonds. Uh, The artisanal small-scale coloured gemstone communities are a little bit more challenging. These are countries like Myanmar and in places like Tanzania where 80% of the coloured gemstone market are in those small artisanal small-scale communities where the technologies and the pure scale isn't there. So in the diamond industry um, there is capturing at all points of the supply chain with sophisticated technologies that exist and machinery. So we know and understand how to connect to those machines and those mines also have very good um, internet infrastructure. So the connectivity of data is not necessarily as challenging as one would say in, you know, the the, the backdrafts of the likes of Tanzania. Right. And, that, and that's exactly what I was getting at. The smaller the artisanal farmers and I guess you said gemstones are more common. Yeah, so the coloured gemstone market is, you know, decimal points in terms of its volume in comparison to the diamond industry. And um, certainly the applications that we have in market there aren't necessarily as directly connected to the internet but still are capturing data and provides for a formation of, of the object itself. So, you know, we're not necessarily in the space of identifying physical people, mm-hmm. but we are in the object of KYO, know your object. Right. And, and let's talk a little bit about the problem that you're trying to solve here, because in the panel that you were on today at the Hyperledger Forum, you mentioned something about the Kimberly process. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah, the Kimberly process is an existing construct within the diamond industry. It was created in 2003 by the United Nations and it's a three-step validation process that undertakes the enablement of or the reduction of risk, particularly around conflict supply chains. So 81 countries around the world participate in the Kimberley process. It is enabled a human system of collaboration that comes together two times a year and certification itself is mandated by countries of trade and countries of mining origin. And those certificates are physical paper-based certification and the process has been over the past um, 
half a decade to consider digitization process around the Kimberley program and the Kimberley process. Got it. And you also mentioned something about policymakers and how they need to be educated and informed about, you know, how blockchain can transform this industry. Yeah, look, it's fair to say I think central banks, cryptocurrency have largely been, you know, considering these types of technologies of which blockchain and the engine that we use for provenance and supply chain traceability has sort of been nested within a larger conversation about digital currencies. And policymakers have really looked towards that cryptocurrency space and the digital currency space, which is why central banks and a number of correspondent banking networks have been largely excited about what's the use of this technology mean to me as a policymaker, but also as an intermediary if you are are a correspondent bank. Um, but I would say that policymakers that are involved in departments around climate and environment and international trade, they're starting to understand that trade channeling, the ability to have immediate settlement of goods after a digitised process with smart contracts on bills of lading is really quite interesting when you think about the types of trade channels that are now existing, you know, outside of One Belt with China. You know, there is really exciting opportunities, particularly on the tail end of Brexit with Commonwealth trade channels. And so policymakers are starting to become enlivened to the importance of trade, um, not only the physical movement of goods, but that digital trade channeling that sits over the top of that so that there is the immediacy of settlement, the immediacy of title handover. um, And hopefully now we have a consciousness around, um, you know, sustainability, climate, environment, and hopefully we also have some kind of way of measuring our footprint on planet. Right. And you also announced today, well, I just found out today that you are working with Australia's government on some policy around blockchain? Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily announced today. The, uh, I am today. <laughs> okay, you found out today, true. Yeah, I was appointed as Queensland's chief entrepreneur um, in January of last year. It's an okay. honorary point by the Premier and I've been in that role now for more than a year. And a part of my work as Queensland's chief entrepreneur under the Minister for Innovation is to look at innovation as a whole for the state of Queensland. We have pretty predominant budgets there. I sit on the Better Regulations Task Force, which looks at policy enablement. And parts of the work that I think is critically important for the Australian government is to um, not only educate our policymakers and put in place a horizon of new forms of technology that will impact things like advanced manufacturing and fourth industrial revolution. Um, We proudly release through the the collective minds of genius that run across Australia, the National Blockchain Roadmap last month, um, which really signals and signposts the importance of this technology, where it will play out in terms of identity, medical records, supply chain traceability. There are a number of signalling posts now that are in the market and it does certainly, um, it does certainly fast follow a number of really um, shooting bright stars that have already come out of Australia. When you think about Everledger, I'm an Australian founder. When you think also about Powerledger, the ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, you know, these are really big masthead examples of the use of this technology that have come from small, medium-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. And the government, the government is awakening to the importance of innovation and technology. And I'm just so happy to be at the right place at the right time to um, enable that change to occur. Right. And you said awakening. What do you think are the challenges that we still need to overcome in order for this awakening to actually happen? So, look, I think that um, the realisation of the reality of moments are existing in various forms. If your question is being asked of me from 
from perspective of government, it's an easy question to answer in that, you know, the majority of jobs that are available in today's market are going to be disrupted or just not going to exist within the next decade. Um, STEM programs with science and technology and maths is a critical component to the formation and the reformation of new jobs. So I think government is critically concerned around how can they embrace these new technologies, where industry is going to be disrupted, and what does the new type of industry uh, need to look like within the next sort of five to ten years. Um, and that's coming at a really interesting nexus point or a concentric circle between policy formation the rising and maturity of technologies in markets and the types of knowledge that exists um, within a community, within an industry. So, you know, when I think about how do you form and reform, um, how do you form and reform economies, you've certainly got to bring together governments, funding vehicles, uh, entrepreneurs and startups and universities and corporates. And it's the mesh that's between there that creates the genius of tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Well said. So we're running low on time. Before we end the interview, do you have any additional thoughts or comments that you want our listeners to know? Look, I would just say that Everledger started with diamonds and our vision is so much bigger. I guess it's the same thing that we've heard from uh, from Amazon when they started with books. And we know that we've been able to take our platform to an entirely new level to enable the traceability of some of the most potentially col- um, conflicted, if not opaque, supply chains in the world you know, it's very clear that there are a number of positions that are starting to crystallise that we're starting to understand the amount of resources that we have that are finite. You know, the diamond mine in Australia this year is closing on the hot heels of that. So too are some of the mines in Canada. There's just no more diamonds left in some of these locations that are able to be extracted or economically viable. Um, And then we've got this new horizon of goods and services and even technologies like lithium-ion batteries that are going to be powering every electric vehicle, laptop, mobile phone, solar panels. So could that be, um, could there be a blood diamond uh, movie again being made as blood batteries? And this is the type of work that we're increasingly interested in. Watch this space. Everledger is going to come out of the gates yet again. We were the first to decouple cryptocurrency from the ledger. We were the first to make sense of blockchain with a real use case and in production. And I'm putting my bets on circular economy, asking the question not only where does it come from, but also asking a critical question, where does it go after it leaves me? The karmic circle of supply chains is really where the consciousness of the world needs to sit. So thanks for your time, Rachel. It's been epic and uh, looking forward to uh, looking forward to the comments from the listeners and the viewers. Yeah, I am also. Before we end, Leanne, I'm sure some of our listeners might want to know or they will want to know how to get in touch with you. Do you use Twitter or are you active on social media? So I'm all over social media. Okay. I'm not very good with Instagram, but I do have an Instagram channel. So you can tweet, twat, LinkedIn, you know, I don't What's even. your Twitter handle? Uh, Leanne underscore Kemp. Okay, awesome. Hear that, guys? Leanne underscore Kemp. Or everledger.io or everledger.io. Okay, thank you so much. My pleasure. See you, everyone. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Leanne and Everledger. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. You can reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. Thanks for listening. See you all next time.